This is a post-Christian podcast. We are the Sacred Collective. All are respected, all are heard, all are welcomed. Join us. Are we recording? Yeah, we are now. Hi, welcome to the Sacred Collective. Uh, we've had a couple oh, drinks. Boy. We've had a couple drinks. We've talked a lot about having part twos of many things, but um, the last episode that just dropped recently was on Purity Culture Part One. Not and- anymore, Brian. This is going to be like. Oh, just later. kidding. Whenever you listen to this, please listen to part one first and then listen to the part two. Some of the things will be um, maybe overlap, but some of it might not be. Um, and we don't necessarily have like questions, but more of maybe our own experiences from purity culture or updates from things that have happened to us or whatever. Um but before we get into it, let's do roll call real quick, because that's what we do. I'm Brian. Amanda. Caleb. Caleb. It's a, it's, a sm- it's a definite small group tonight compared to like the six or seven we have. The same group we had in part one of two. Yes, days. yes, it is. Um, but I think some of what we talked about, kind of doing a quick recap of part one, and this probably won't be as long as maybe part one, um, but we wanted to kind of do part two just because... I don't think all of our thoughts or ideas were fully fleshed out, and we've probably had a couple weeks maybe to think about it more, or maybe to add some some things. Um, but I think our recap was more of a lot of us, like Kayleen, you were the only one here that didn't really grow up evangelical, and I don't know in growing up in the ELCA like you did, if they had really anything with purity culture, or if you had like sex talks and stuff like that. Not to what you guys went through, good lord. Yeah, it was pretty cultish what we went through. Wait, wait, what you guys went through was like serious awfulness. There, I mean, I don't know. I don't remember sex being really a big thing Did you when I was growing up. Like, it, I mean, I mean, it was my parents kind of made it a thing, but mm-hmm. but the church never okay. really like made a big deal about made it. Made a big deal about it. Did the church give you any messages about like premarital sex or, or safe sex or anything? No. Not that I can remember. I mean, maybe they did, and I just don't remember. But I, I think I was getting it at home, and I think that that's where they decided that that was supposed to come from, rather than making it such a big thing about church. Because mm-hmm. I don't really, other than like being told not to make purple, which is like you know when we go oh. on mission trips and there were guys and girls and, uh, and blue, yeah. Pink, yeah. blue and pink, you know, not to make purple, that. like so like other than being told about that. And being, like, discouraged from, you know, sleeping with any of the other guys in the group or vice versa. Like, that was pretty much, you know, I don't know. <clears throat> Maybe there was more about it, and I just don't remember, but... Sorry for that loud helicopter in the background. Um, it happens. But nobody really made a big deal about it. Yeah, I find I feel it- like in the evangelical church, it's like this taboo like thing that people aren't supposed to do and it's like if you look at it biblically sex is a healthy thing and it's Mm -hmm. part of who god created us to be and so why is it such a big deal i think a lot of people freak freak out i think people freak out about it because sex anybody will admit that sex is a very intimate thing it is it's the probably the most intense way of like 
you being close to someone. Like, yeah, you can hold hands, you can kiss, you can cuddle, you can do all that. But when you're literally having sex, you're, you know, you're giving something of yourself to that person, you know, um, that potentially can make a baby. And I think that's why the evangelical church gets so bent out of shape about it is because yes kissing holding hands heavy petting whatever you want to say any of those things that's not going to cause potential pregnancy and bringing a life into the world but sex is you have you run that risk of of having sex and i think if you get pregnant then it's the end of the world there's proof for other people like in the church to see that you've had sex there is actual confirmation you've had premarital sex so it's it's just kind of like other people might not know, but if you end up getting pregnant, then there's no hiding it. Brian, are you, are you saying that the reason the evangelical church puts so much emphasis on it is uh, to stop unwanted pregnancies? I think it could tie into it. I don't. I don't see that as, as in my experience, as being the main drawing. I'm not. I'm not saying that's motivated. the number one thing, but uh, at least in my church, in my my tradition. And obviously, this is very just experiential for me, like what I went through, and like maybe it was just church specific. But one thing that our youth pastor and his wife would say would be, you know, like yes, like sex is important, and we're, they never said sex was an evil thing. They never said it was bad, but they're saying you need to do it in the confines of marriage because they were thinking, okay, what if two, let's say, two fifteen-year-olds, a boyfriend girlfriend, have sex, then they get pregnant. In most evangelical people's eyes, like your life is there for over. Like you, you can't finish school because you're going, or you have to do homeschool. Like what fifteen year old? Because you know, as being as the only two people in this room that are our parents, like having a kid's freaking expensive. And I mean, not older they get is not as much, but when they're first born with the diapers, if you need to get formula, you know, baby food, that's all super expensive. And if you're 15, 16, you literally, in our culture, don't have the financial capability of doing that. So I think, at least in my church and in the tradition I grew up in, they pushed, like, excuse me, sex is a wonderful, beautiful thing. But that if you do get pregnant, have the kid first and foremost. Abortion was never any kind of thing that you talked about. But that if you did have a kid, your life was over because your life is now that kid's life. And... Everything that you do as a teenager, young adult, is now for that kid. So I think they used, in a way, pregnancy as a form of, like, oh, if you're going to have... Like, I was taught, if you're going to have sex, you're going to get pregnant. You're gonna, Like, yeah. if you're the girl, you're going to be pregnant. pregnancy, though, they, they weren't, like, handing out condoms or teaching no. safe sex or, or birth control. No, none right. of that. You know, like, if it's really just about... They use it as a, a weapon, kid, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, if it really just boils down to unwanted pregnancies, like, they could... Handled a lot more effectively by teaching kids how to use condoms and stuff, and you don't really see that. Well, not in my church, anyway. Never saw that. Oh, what I was going to say, this was going to be an update I haven't let anyone know. Um, I'm not going to say their names, because I want to, not that they would ever listen, um, and I don't know necessarily who listens that maybe knows me from my past, but I have had my old youth pastor and his wife in the Assemblies of God, um, I left on less than good terms with them. Um, it was more of a mutual decision that I wouldn't really come back to the youth group. Um, just cause when we always talked about sex, sexuality, I think I said on the last 
the last episode of, of the Purity Culture one where I remember there was like we had these sex talks or these sex weeks and we actually like the girls went to like the youth pastor's wife's house and they did, you know, the girls because you can never talk about sex in both mixed genders, company. mixed company. That's just leads pink and like you're saying, Kayleen, pink and blue make purple. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like the us guys, we had pizza and Mountain Dew and played video games and we um this one kid was talking about masturbation and and I was saying that like masturbation is better to masturbate than to have sex. I mean that was what I said at the time because I was 16 and that was kind of like the last straw to the youth pastor and he was really pissed and anyway, I was like a junior in high school. Anyway, I found out since the last episode and to now that this youth pastor and his wife I knew this cuz I did Facebook stalk them. Uh I you know, we, we all, that's the wonderful thing about Facebook. You can say, or social media, you can say, hey, I wonder what happened to this person that I knew 20 years ago. And if you know their name, they probably are going to be on social media. I did know that they were missionaries um, first in uh, Mexico and then down in Costa Rica. And I knew that. And they have kids ranging from like maybe 21 or 22 all the way down to like maybe in late grade school age. And just through the grapevine, I found out that they weren't on the mission field anymore. Like, they were off, and it ended abruptly in October of 2018. And so through some mutual friends that had been in the youth group with me, I was texting them the other day, and I was like, what in the world happened to, you know, our youth pastor and the family? And and this was the youth pastor and his wife who... You know, used the whole thing, like made a girl stand up on stage in her sanctuary holding a huge flower, had all the guys go up and like take the flower petals until there was the nub and said, if you do anything sexually, like hold hands, kiss, cuddle, you know, touch a girl's boob or whatever, um, any of that stuff, then you're giving less of yourself to that person and God's going to like deem you unpure, unholy. I ended up finding out that come at the end of last year, they got divorced. And the reason they got divorced was on the mission field, the youth pastor um, is like what evangelicals like to say, had a a moral failure. And most likely what a moral failure is in evangelical talk is they had an affair. Or was like like a porn addict or something like that. They're not going to say, "Oh, if you had one too many beers or you know got drunk." They're not going to really say that. They'll be swept under the rug. But so abruptly, they came off the mission field, moved back to the Twin Cities here, where they're both from, and he's working for some big pizza chain now, and she's living with her parents with the other kids, um, and their parents are really big in the assemblies of God. And and I like I said, I'm not going to say their names, but it's sad. I feel bad for the kids because no kid should, you know, I feel like divorce is very hard on kids. Um, kids, grandkids, anybody, it's hard on the couple. But then a part of me, after reflecting on how I was raised by them and how very... Um, I would say very, um, I don't know, what's the right word, anal? (laughs) Lack of a better phrase. Um, How it kind of came back full circle to them, how they were like, well, you should never, you know, 
don't ever do this, don't ever do that. And I feel like 20 years later, because I was about 20 years ago, like this youth pastor, everything he said to us that's instilled into a lot of our minds and brains still has come back to bite him in the butt. And like his marriage to his wife is over. And, you know, I'm sure he's not really close to his kids anymore because I'm sure the kids are old enough to be like, hey, dad did something wrong to mom and whatever. And so it, that that part, I'm really sad. But there's this, and I know this is not a very Christ-like or Christian thing to say, but if part of me in the back of my head is I was like, maybe in the first place you should have never taught that kind of stuff. Because when you teach that kind of stuff, you put yourself up on this, you know, kind of like the pride comes before the fall mm-hmm. of like, you're going to tell these people and the same thing that like we talked about with the Josh, Joshua Harris thing where he wrote like, um, I kissed dating goodbye. He wrote all this stuff of like, and at the moment he might've believed in it, but they say to a lot of people, like you get so involved in saying what you say and what you believe in that when you deconstruct or when you have what quote unquote they, what evangelicals call like a moral failure mm-hmm. that maybe all along that's what you've wanted or that's what you thought but now you somewhere in your brain or in your mind said I, I can do that and no one knows why someone does what they no one knows why someone cheats or if they thought about it or planned it or it was literally the spur of the moment but there was a part of me when I heard that news through mutual friends where I kind of was like huh Maybe you deserve this. And I know it's terrible to say, but there's part of me, if I'm being honest with myself, it's like, you guys were, sorry, but you guys were assholes and how you manipulated and indoctrinated us as teenagers. And now 20 years in the future, you're, you're dealing, you're reaping the consequences of stuff that you yourselves, because if I look back on it, they were only five six years older than me so they were 22 23 years old newly married newly having kids telling telling us like that you know going through puberty and going through natural you know biological um growth sexually you know and people forget sometimes people forget like hey you're not just growing older or growing hair or growing breasts but like your hormones are (laughs) for men and women are growing a mile a minute and you're telling people that, like, being attracted to someone of the opposite gender or the same gender is is wrong or, like, wanting to explore sexually is wrong. And I know it's wrong. And I know I'm kind of going long about this, but this is one thing I wanted to focus on. But I'm just really – I know it's wrong to say, but part of me was, like, when I heard that, I was, like, kind of serves you right and i know that that's wrong because that happened 20 years you know my issues with them happened 20 years ago but at the same time i was like huh this is really like it's um, like i said i'm sad for the situation but the other part of me is like the other part of me is not sad because i was like it's kind of like yeah pride comes before the fall like you thought you were above this it happened to you now it's happened and you have to make your bed and so the other part of me is like, no, I don't really feel bad for you because you screwed a lot of people up and you never, ever, ever, ever apologized because you knew what you were doing was wrong. Did they really know what was doing, what they were doing was wrong at the time, though? I mean, would they say that now? I don't think they would because yeah. in, in at least our tradition and the same as a God, even if you know what you're saying is wrong, you are never going to admit that. Like in my tradition right now in the UCC, 
I could literally come out to my congregation and say, I don't know if I believe in God. I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time believing if there's a God. And I wouldn't get kicked out. I wouldn't be, you know, brought before whatever, like my church board and say, okay, you're not going to be our pastor anymore. They would say, thank you for being honest. You know, we're going to be here with you. If you went to the AG and Amanda can back me up with this, they'd be like, uh, well, you're done. Mm-hmm. Maybe not that easily, but they would obviously these church board. They would be like, "Well, if you're not a Christian anymore, if you have doubts, then you're not going to lead us, because how are we going to come to you for advice if you don't even know if you believe in the same God as we do?" And yeah, part of being a human being is we naturally evolve in our thought process and 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 everything. And yeah, I'm not going to say since they were in their like early to mid twenties at the time to being in their mid forties that things haven't changed, but there's a part of me that's like, okay, a lot of the things that I thought in my mid-20s, I still believe in in my mid-30s. Yes, things have changed a lot, but the core core of who I am is the same. So so what you were saying, like, do they did they think what they were saying at the time, or would they admit that they were wrong now? No, because I think they were indoctrinated to the point where they thought that they were... They thought that was how life was. They how thought that they were helping. Was. Yeah. I have another follow-up question to that. Um, do the people that you went to church with, like the people that you've been talking to, do they feel like that was something that messed them up? And, um, and their thought process, or no? So the, or two peop- the two people I've talked to, and like I said, I'm going to make this really anonymous because I don't want anybody's names coming out because it's such a... Uh, con- not controversial, well, it doesn't, but personal. It doesn't have personal. To be yeah, that, doesn't even have to be the people that that you're talking to. It could just be in general. Like, do you think that people that you went to church with at that time that were in that youth group would think that that type of thoughts were very indoctrinating or very wrong or messed them up when it comes to how they thought about their sexuality? Um, I think to one of the friends, no. Um, and to the other friend, yes. And to the other friend that I said, yes, uh, yes, that it messed them up when I was, he was, a, me and him have become better friends and like we drifted apart for many years, like a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And probably within the last year to two years, we've actually grown pretty close, mm-hmm. um, close as friends. And I'm actually officiating their wedding in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think with with him and both of these friends, both grew up in the youth group with me, both grew up AG, they're both divorced. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, because you were taught a certain way about sexuality that you have a higher propensity to divorce because every, everyone gets divorced for different reasons. But, I, and, but my one friend I know is still friends with the, this youth pastor, still talks with him. And that's fine. That that's great. I'm not going to uh, tell anybody how they should feel about the situation or being friends with them. Mm-hmm. But I do. I, I do kind of with those two friends when we hang out. Um, they're not really close friends anymore. But I'm still out of the. When I graduated from high school in 2001, shoot, almost 20 years ago, um, I graduated probably with I want to say 10 people in the youth group were graduating my year. And I would say out of those 10, us three are probably the only people that would say that we still have some sort of belief in God, whatever that is. 
And one of the friends is super Pentecostal AG still, and the other guy converted to Catholicism, okay. which is fine. But so, I, but I do. They tell you though when you're like, especially when you get taught about sexuality and sex, those things, that stuff gets indoctrinated. You can like, you know, deconstruct things about heaven, hell doctrines. But when you get taught by parents or by people in authority about especially sex, sexuality, that stuff's hard to ebb and ebb away from. And so that's why I take issue because I'm like, dude, you, even if they came out and said, hey, we messed up, we shouldn't have taught you that or we shouldn't have used these things Mm -hmm. the way we did. We still believe that you shouldn't have sex before you're married. I'm fine if someone believes that. But when you indoctrinate people to say you have to believe this, and if you don't do it the way we prescribe, then you're not a good Christian, you're not a Christian, you're bad, mm-hmm. then that's wrong. Because then if they ever make a misstep down their in their path in life, like this pastor did, then you just scratch your head. And I could I could talk ad nauseum the rest of this night about how many pastors I've known or have heard about in my tradition that have quote-unquote moral failures. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like the more and more you beat someone over the head about it, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, what's the first thing they're going to do in their head? When they have the opportunity to go do what they're told not to do, they're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it comes to anybody's mind where something in their brain just snaps and says, you know, screw it, I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. Because I've been told my whole life not to do this, and I'm going to try to do this. And even if it might, I might throw everything away, I'm going to throw it away because I want to try to do this and because uh, I want to be human. And I think this is what this youth pastor um, experienced. Because this person he married now, his ex-wife, they were the only people they ever dated. Hmm. So they were like the first couple that they were like the, the only couple like they dated, got married, had this life been married for probably over 20 years and then something snapped and was like i did this that's a hard place to be yeah a lot mm-hmm. of people but it goes back to purity culture it goes back to that whole like and and that's why i think so many evangelical and i can't tell you how many people that i know and i, I don't want to feel like i don't want to feel like i'm taking over this but this was something that i really wanted to talk about because it was huge of of like, and it's affected me just to, to, and I'm kind of sitting back and being like, huh, I was taught all this by this youth pastor and his wife, and look what's happened to them 20 years later. It's sad. It really is. It's sad. But at the same time, is it something that I never saw happening? I can't say that because I could even tell as a teenager that something wasn't right 20 years ago, and now you look now what's happened and mm-hmm. anyway sorry Caleb I took over there should we talk more about some of those phrases that you had Amanda from their prompts I have I have yeah. that's what I was looking at my boys will be boys I have them here we can start with that first one that Brian just said of boys will be boys mm-hmm. <clears throat> which a good way to turn their on have the accountability is um I don't know what company it is, but I feel like I think there's a couple of different clothing companies, more of like kids' clothes, where the shirt says "boys will be boys," and where it says "boys" at the the second one is crossed out and says "good humans," so it says "boys will be good humans." But I, which I really like, but I feel like that phrase pretty much 
gives an an escape for any you know consequences of actions yeah. or behavior mm-hmm. or speech of just saying oh well boys will be boys mm-hmm. boys will say this boys will mm-hmm. chase the girls around the playground and pull at their skirt or try and kiss them when they're running away mm-hmm. or you know they'll do this they'll do that even just you know like playing outside getting dirty like rough housings like just like always an excuse of like well boys will be boys but just hearing the differences of how you even describe um how you even describe the differences between like boys and girls like a girl you might be like oh she's bossy or she's a diva and for a guy it might be like he's assertive he takes charge yeah and i feel like it's something that as children and even as adults that you just hear those things of you know just just making an excuse for boys or and in, in effect by making yeah. an excuse for boys you're then putting we said this last time we talked about this you're then putting the onus you're inferring even if it's not outright said but you're inferring that the onus is then put on the females right mm-hmm. and I was just pulling something that I actually saved on on Instagram um, quite a while ago it says I have a daughter who is and then I'll read I'll read um, four words and then these are all crossed off and there's a different word given as a better way oh, okay, to describe cool. it um, so I'll just read the one that's crossed off and then the one to describe it, you know, if that makes sense. Um, it says, I have a daughter who is bossy or you can say assertive, loud, outspoken, a better way to put it. Um, emotional, like positive spin. right. Emotional, passionate, picky, decisive. Ooh. But I mean, you hear, you hear stuff like that, like for kids of like, be like, oh, she's she's a little diva, or you know, she's just bossy for you know, like a grown woman, like you know, could have like say like a corporate job somewhere, and be like, oh, she's just she's just so bossy and and she's just such a diva. But if it was a man, be like, wow, he's really assertive. He really knows how to take charge, and just using those phrases of just kind of downplaying even if it's something like positive of like taking charge but just hearing the hearing that where like a a woman it can just be like oh it's almost like it's just her emotion she's just a diva of doing this or that but a man's like oh it's like like take charge almost like you know they can like 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 he can have whatever he wants It, it just has a really negative way that 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 comes out but I mean, yeah, I mean, like that phrase, like, boys will be boys. You know, you just hear stuff like that, or you hear, you know, if you hear if a woman or a teenage girl or whoever, you know, gets raped, like, say, say they're at, like, a high school party or a college party, like, if it's, you know, like a young woman or something, and, you know, even if they're drinking or anything, or even if she's not drinking, say, even if she's walking home, the first thing people usually say is, well, what was she wearing? Yeah, that one's very... Yeah. That's like the cringiest. Right. Well, and I actually heard a conversation when I was at work the other day um, of some guys, they were, you know, just, you know, waiting for a friend. Um, so there was like, you know, four of them or so. And one of them had their son who looked like he was probably about seven, like, or eight years old with. And... Um, 
I don't know. I didn't hear the beginning of their conversation. I mean, they were only about 20 feet away, so it wasn't like it was, you know, like I was, like, eavesdropping, like I'm, you know, like, right there, like, where I'm stationed for work, like, at my desk area. But they were, something came up in the conversation about, like, like a woman who was raped or something, and almost like if it was, if it was one of those things where, like, she was telling the truth or trying to get back at the sky or whatever. And then... Part of, I didn't hear the rest, and then I heard part of, like, the conversation of, like, you know, about switching to, like, oh, like, a guy getting raped, and then one of the other guys was, like, oh, well, it could be possible, because I think the woman, she was, like, 300 pounds, and then, like, the guys were laughing and be, like, well, that would be the first case ever of a guy, like, who actually got, like, raped, and this guy's, like, seven-year-old son was right there, and I almost felt like, like... Do I, like, say something? But then I was like, well, I don't want to, like, get in trouble or, like, risk anything, like, you know, like, for my job or anything. But just kind of hearing stuff like that where, you know, it's... So, with the phrase boys will be boys, stuff like that, it's not always that, like, that I feel like, like, boys, you know, and teenagers and men, like, always, like, have an excuse and all, all of them have this attitude because they don't. But you look on the other hand, and if it's something, you know, like that where, you know, a woman ends up getting raped, then it's like, well, what was she wearing? How much did she have to drink? Was she asking for it? If a guy does, and he'd be like, well, he should be thankful that a woman wants to sleep with him or a guy can't, like, get raped or, like, be like, oh, is he gay because he didn't enjoy it? And, I mean, it's just sickening to hear, like, Mm. how, like, people describe stuff like that but just that phrase boys will be boys you hear that at such an early age like with toddlers and preschoolers that were already putting on this excuse to have a certain behavior yeah and already you know kind of you know just saying like well boys will be boys but you know don't cry you know like don't cry like a girl or you run like a girl and like all this negative stuff where you're pinning each other where it's like this, like, power struggle when there doesn't need to be a power struggle. And then, you know, you have these kids that grow up and, you know, they're teenagers. And like we said, like your hormones and everything, like, are changing. And then, and then especially, like, with the church, like, how it's talked about where it's almost like, I mean, yeah, like Brian said, like with a kid, you could tell a kid, don't do this, don't touch that. I don't know how many times I'm working on a project and I tell Ava, do not touch that. And she almost sees this like a little game of just, and part of it too is with your parents, you know, as a little kid, you feel safe where she knows that if she, she knows that she can really push the the limits like with me because, you know, she knows that that I'm going to keep her safe. Like, I'm not going to do anything bad to her that like, that's like her safe space to like press those limits. But, but I mean, you, that is true. Like you tell someone, don't do this, don't do that without really giving them more, more reasons why. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's going to make people want to see what this is about because yeah. it's like this forbidden thing yeah where it's like well people who are adults are doing this and but i'm told not to so and when you're a teenager you already like i'm not a kid like 
like I'm grown up, I'm mature, but so it's like you want to be more adult, but you're not adult. Yeah. Not even phys- not even just physically, but emotionally, you're not an adult. Mm. I think I, I said this a little bit a little bit last time, but I, I think that uh, prohibition of pretty much anything often creates a uh, fa- infatuation with it. True. Like if you're told. Well, look at all the <laughs> look at all the distilleries that popped up during the world. Yeah, yeah, like literally, yeah, I mean, anything about alcohol prohibition, obviously, yeah. But no, I, that's the first but thing. I mean, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's not just alcohol prohibition, mm-hmm. but if you think about it, that's a great example. Yeah, totally. Yeah, of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then it can lead to fetishizing the thing, even where it's like you you feel like you have to get it, or it's 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 so much more desirable because it's off limits and taboo. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm I'm texting someone about an event that's happening in the cool, in the past Brian. in the past when this comes up. You texting through time. Mm-hmm. Time texting. But kind of like what you were saying, Brian, about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is just such a random group. Sometimes, <laughs> kind of like you were saying, Brian, about um. About, like, how, how the church would talk about things, how they would separate, like, the boys and the girls. And you can talk about sex, but you can't say the word sex. You you know, and the whole thing with the flower and and all that stuff. The flower it, is just messed up. Really? Messed yeah. Up. And, just, and you're saying that the dad started coming up, too. Good Lord, that's a messed yeah. up thing. That's just, that's just. Like, and, of course, it was always this whole thing about yeah. ruining people's lives. It was always just about, like, the girl, like, what's going to happen to the girl, but as far as I know, there wasn't anything said about, like, other than, Mm. well, if you're a boy and you have sex before you're married, you know, you have to ask God's forgiveness, have, be, like, a spiritual virgin, or have, spiritually have your virginity back, or some, something like that, that doesn't even make sense, but for a girl, it was almost like, well, here's a dead flower stem, and that's all you'll ever be. Yeah. You know, it's like you're as a girl, you're like your self esteem and how you view yourself and your body and how important it is that of how other people view you and other mm-hmm. people's opinions of you, but to throw that on you. Yeah. I feel like like I don't remember for sure if we had the flower thing where someone stood on stage, but I know I know that they talked about it and gave that analogy. I don't remember if they actually, like, did that. It's like, my parents talked to us about, like, sex. Like, when we were younger, like, they talked to us, you know, like, where you have, like, like a lot of people probably had, like, a book that was more kid-appropriate for, like, when you start to ask your parents, well, where do babies come from? And, you know, all this stuff. And so it's like, yes, they talked to us about that, you know, like, you know, as a teenager, like, you know, starting puberty, like, talking to us about, you know, like, sex and everything. So, it's not like it was anything that was hidden. Yes, Ava? Hey, Ava. Oh, so, we have Ava here. Ava, can you say hi? In the mic? Come on. Say hi. Hello. Say, say, I'm two. I'm two. There you go. No, I'm two. Uh, but you hold on, I'm Ava? Five. Uh, but but no, just to kind of finish that thought, like my parents talked about it, and the church talked about it, and the school. Mama. 
you hear any little background sound, Ava's just watching the show. Um, so if you hear a little jingle, I have my own theme music. Yeah. Um, but that no, sounds like, copyrighted and we're going to get taken off yeah. iTunes. Ow, Dang no. you, PBS kids. Okay. Um, but no, like like at school they talked about it just more of obviously like, you know, like, like health reasons and like what happens to your yeah. body and all that stuff. But I feel like almost how it was talked about but not talked about if that makes sense kind of if you listen to part one kind of how brian described it of like oh they didn't say certain words or anything it was almost like well if it's not talked about almost like can i can i ask about it is that not like right is that wrong if i have like more questions and and i mean (laughs) (laughs) get up yeah, we'll yeah. turn the volume up in just a little bit, but in, <laughs> but I mean, I just, I just, I just felt like there were like some things, whether it's about sex or even just like or even dating and stuff, that like I didn't really feel like I could ask about it. Not that I wasn't told, or not that I was told that I couldn't, but just that. Well, if if they're not telling us about it, then maybe. Maybe it's wrong to ask about it. Yeah. And that's not a good view to have. I want to say this. I stepped out of the room for a moment, but um, I'm going to not promote, but I'm going to really give kudos to the UCC. They, it's an acronym because churches can't do things without acronyms. But they have, like, uh, I forget what they, how they, when they start telling kids i think it's as young as first grade maybe first or second grade and they do it obviously for age appropriate like talking about it but about sexuality and all that stuff and it's called owl like the like the animal owl and it stands for our our whole lives and they and they've actually have talked to obviously pastors counselors sex experts you know, doctors, er, you know, every everybody that they've needed to talk to on how to talk about the uh, the appropriateness of, of, say, so when you go to a first grader or second grader, what's too much to tell them about sexuality? You know, you're not going to tell someone in first grade who is maybe, what, six, maybe seven? You're not going to tell them as much about sexuality as you maybe are going to tell like a thir- a 12 year old or 13 year old but and i actually know you know one of the associate pastors who i work with closely at my church her and a couple other people have went through the training and i think eventually um through the ucc i want to at least get um the requirements to do that mm-hmm. because not only telling my kid, you know, my daughter, or if we have other kids or anybody else, I would rather have them understand sexuality coming from someone who's actually studied it and understood it, and partly because of what I experienced as a teenager and, and young adult about it. And so I do think a lot of more mainline Protestant denominations are getting on the ball and are saying like hey we've have so many people so many you know you know married couples or couples who have younger kids who are like we don't want our kids to 
be taught about sexuality the way we were taught about sexuality in such a very conservative and such a very, I guess, toxic way. Because like you said earlier, Kayleen, like sexual, like knowing your own body, like I was actually told in a lot of ways that like even exploring your own body, not it was like sinful, like masturbation or any kind of arousal or any kind of touch besides your spouse was sinful and was wrong and but if you look at like the science if you look if you talk to any doctor yeah it can become habitual it can become an addiction like masturbation or anything but most people will tell you like that's actually a very normal thing for any man or woman or young young you know young kid going through puberty to do like masturbation or understanding who you are sexually as your own person what if you understand if you're if you're straight or you're you know anywhere on the glbtq if you feel like you're trans you know gendered if you feel like you were born in the wrong body those are all normal natural things for someone to to go through but so many christians especially evangelicals are coming out of like youth group and they're feeling like Okay, if I feel like I'm really attracted to this person, if I even think about them, then I'm the sinful person because my youth pastor and my pastor says, if I think about them with a lustful heart, then that's wrong. And it's like, no, you're, according to human biology, you're not doing anything wrong. You know what I mean? You're, you're being a normal human being. We could go, and my sister-in-law is the one who kind of asked us to talk about this, so I kind of want to shout oh, out. Oh, did she? I kind of want to do a shout out to my my sister-in-law, um, Natalie. Sup, Natalie? Um, Get at your boys, Caleb Rowe. Hit me up, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know me. I would say the same thing, but we're friends on all those anyway. No, but I, I think, was fun. and I think what <laughs> she was even lively in here. I was all asleep. So I want to, I want to say to, I want to say to my, I want to say to my sister in law that because she wanted to know some of her views. Natalie, you got some of her views, and to anybody who's listening, not just her. This isn't just obviously for her, but what I would say to to her is, you know, there's really any any way you feel about. Um, any of these views is up to you and what we've said, but at the same time, we really feel that certain ways about sexuality and stuff can be toxic. So, you know, like, uh, be be careful of toxic teachings on, on sexuality and know that kind of what we said, we're not all experts, but we've also, a lot of us have been through the ringer on that. So, yeah, do you yeah, want it? It took a long time. When you, when you have those toxic things that are taught to you, it can take a long time to get to the point where you can accept your own self, your own body. Because I know lots of people that, like, even after they got married, they had a really mm-hmm. hard time having sex because they were told their entire yeah. lives yep. that sex is not okay. And then all of a sudden, that's supposed to change when they get married. I have tons of friends yeah, where it point. was a very difficult thing. That's a great point. For them to have, for them to have sex after they got married, because mm. it's all of a sudden you have to turn on a switch, right? Yeah, you know, and it's like, and it's that should... years and years of conditioning and yeah, and moral conditioning and like exactly. brimming on brainwashing, you know, 
between conditioning and brainwashing. Yeah, I mean, I you had can't a, just turn that off. I had a friend who got pregnant when we were what, like in our mid twenties, and <laughs> she was so afraid that I wasn't going to be friends with her anymore because she got pregnant. Well, partially because I had yelled at her for not using as much protection as she should, and then. <laughs> And then, well, whatever. But I told her, I was like, I love you and I don't care. You know, you had right. sex, whatever, you're pregnant. I'm going to support you. And her daughter's amazing. So, you know, like, but she thought that because for such a long time, I had been kind of against people having sex outside of marriage, which whatever, I'm old now, so it's not as big of a deal, but... The fact that she thought that it wasn't okay and that I wasn't going to be friends with her, that made me think really long and hard yeah. about no, that's a good point. how I'm presenting myself, yeah. the things that I'm saying to my friends, the things, the mm. way that I'm presenting myself. And I think it changed something inside of me to say, okay, you know what? It doesn't matter. That's a really good point. It Is... doesn't matter because you know what? She had the baby. They're a happy family now. Even if they hadn't gotten married. It would still be okay, right? Right. It doesn't matter because mm-hmm. I know friends from college that that had that had sex and got married for all the wrong reasons, and I'm pretty sure that they're probably pretty miserable right mm-hmm. now. Well, and can, they were both pastor kids, I, so they had to get married. Yeah, and I, but, I know. Oh, I know two people that I'm friends with who pretty much married the first person that they dated. And they got married and thought they were going to have all these kids, and they did have kids together. And both of in their marriages didn't even last five or six years. And it's because, and I think a lot of it was because their parents never really talked to them about sex or sexuality or any of that stuff. And then they thought, and I had one friend who they thought had like their marriage was already in trouble because they were so polar opposites, both of them and their personalities. And they thought having kids was going to rectify it and was yeah, going to make it better. Yeah, right. Anybody's <laughs> going to tell you that having it's kids is going yeah. to make it even more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, and so now they're both divorced and have been remarried to other people. Um, but I think the last thing I wanted to say, and then we can do maybe quick recommendations before we head out um i do think why at least in my tradition in the assemblies of god and and people can tweet at me or instagram me or facebook um our sacred collective feeds if they disagree is i do think at least in my tradition and the way amanda was raised too in our tradition in the assemblies of god is i honestly feel like that was the one form of indoctrination because I do think that that's what it is. It was one form of indoctrination that they could control over people was sex of saying, hey, like we, we, we can't go into your schools. We can't go into your houses and tell you how to act. Like if you're cursing or if you're watching rated R movies or whatever, what, what not. But what we can tell you is that we're going to put it in, we're going to nail it into your head that if you, are sexually active, if you are having sex with whoever and whomever, that we're going to tell you, like, hey, you're going to have sex, you're going to, if at least it's heterosexually, you're going to either get pregnant or get some STI, you know, or STD. And we're going to be here at the church as your pastors. 
when you come crawling back and being like, oh, I'm pregnant or I got this disease. Told you so. It's, yeah, exactly. Doing like, I, I told you so. Oh, I was like, what did you say? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I told you so type of thing. And I really think that is the one thing that that they want to control. And I think it's wrong okay. on every level. Mm. And uh, then you wind up with, you kind of alluded to this, but you wind up with a bunch of evangelical kids getting married because they're horny. Yeah. Yeah, which is... And having kids. And, and yeah. having kids, that those kids are wonderful and beautiful people, but having kids maybe with someone that they never really wanted to have kids with in the first place, mm-hmm. but thought that that was only right and yeah. pure way. Okay. Can the expectations. Can I go first for Yes, absolutely. Oh, the first time you went first. Well, I know, the reason why I I wanted to go first. Okay, so we were talking about it at dinner, but um, for people who watched E.T. growing up, their Xfinity did... Yes, the cable company. ...has done um, a commercial where E.T. comes back to visit Elliot and his... there's this whole commercial. With Elliot's this, all grown up with Elliot's a family. Elliot's all grown up with a family, yep. And it's... If you watch GT, it brings back the feels. It's pretty sweet. I got a little teary-eyed, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty cute. So um, I would suggest looking that up on YouTube because the whole... They're not doing the whole thing on like for commercials. They're no. doing like teasers for it. And, and then you can go to the Xfinity thing. Yeah. To watch the full like yeah, teaser or you can thing. you can put it up on YouTube. I saw it on BuzzFeed. Yeah, so it's it's available in a lot of places. But I thought that that was fun. I'm currently yeah, that's that's mine. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, two one's really selfish. The other one's not. The first one I want to really recommend, and I know a lot of our listeners. Uh, listen to this podcast that Caleb does as well is Revolution. Mm-hmm. I I don't think Sacred Collective would be fully what we are without Jay, uh, Jay Baker, and what he does. And I've really been humbled um, to be interviewed by him and Caleb um, on Meet Your Congregation, which is part of the Revolution feed, but I would almost say in a way it's Almost like a secondary podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one and the same, but it's on the um, same feed. But it's on the same feed, but yeah, yeah. But it, it's amazing how you get to hear all the people. Like a lot of the, a lot of us who are there in the physical, like Bryant, like Bull, we've been on there. But just hearing other people who've been on there from all parts of the country or other countries, listening at why they listen to Revolution why like what jay says or when caleb fills in or curtis or even myself when i filled in how it's so important some of us have really have no faith background some of us are ministers in in you know faith traditions who obviously will listen maybe when we need a respite from our own ministry stuff and in a recent revolution talk jay did say and this i have to say this because it gives me all the good feels um had even said that um Sacred Collective, in a way, is like a sister church, or like we're like almost like sister ministries, and that's just that's probably one of the most high compliments I've ever gotten from doing something. So kudos to um, Jay Baker and kudos to Revolution um, for him sticking with it for twenty plus years, for Caleb for helping with 
keeping a lot of the audio um, podcasting stuff afloat. Um, and to for you too, I you know raise my glass of beer mm-hmm. and to say thank you. And I would say the other recommendation is purely selfish. We have a Patreon page. You know, we've had it up for a while. We're, we're in the midst of under construction soon. Still got some cobwebs on it. Yeah, cobwebs under construction of redoing our format. But we know a lot of people who probably listen to our podcasts, listen to many other podcasts. And um, we're not asking for a lot of money, but... Caleb and I, my wife, all of us are doing this out of our own pocket, out of our own money. Um, we don't have and Kayleen. And Kayleen, she brings food for and us she to. Drives me and she me. and she drives Caleb because Caleb doesn't have a car. Hey, I drive you too, so don't. I know you already mentioned yourself. <laughs> no, but what I would say is, if you can even give a dollar a month, um, twelve dollars a year, that would be huge for some of our fees. Um, or if you want to do more, and obviously if you go to our Patreon page, is it Patreon? Patreon.com slash Sacred Collective. I think it's the Sacred Collective. So, so if you search Sacred Collective on Patreon, it, it's probably, I'm sure it's the only thing that will come So up. if you do listen, we try to look at it at least once a week to see if anybody's on there, but please, 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 if you feel led in any way to support us, we would highly appreciate it, um, and... We put your money to good use to support us and what we're doing and what we're trying to accomplish. Even so. if you only have like 50 bucks a month, you know, 70 bucks a month. Hey, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say no to any money. <laughs> Even if you only have like a thousand bucks, whatever. No, for real. A buck a month would mean a lot, honestly. Um, I don't. Did I, did I plug. Losing the Bible? No, I think I, I plugged everyone's autonomous. No, yeah, go uh, for it. Yeah, so I'm going to do a self-promotion. Well, kind of self-promotion. Uh, another new podcast that I'm working on, uh, that I'm on the team for. This one, I'm, I'm not pulling as much weight as I do with all my other uh, current projects, which is nice, because we have a, a good, solid team. But you're speaking of Jay Baker... Uh, he is a co-host on this new podcast called Loosen the Bible Belt, which is a podcast version of the Loosen the Bible Belt tour that Jay Baker and Kristen Becker have been doing for, I think, about four years now, probably since about 2014, 2015-ish, around there. Mm-hmm. And um, it started as a live show where Kristen Becker, stand-up comic, very active for uh, LGBTQI plus rights and stuff like that. Um, so she goes up, does a stand-up show. They has, also have a rotating cast of musicians. And then Jay goes up, this is the tour version of it, go up and, and give a quick like little sermon or talk. Um, just kind of apologizing for Christians having been assholes, especially to, um, to fringe communities, you know, LGBTQIA plus individuals for such a long time. Anyway, so we made a podcast version of it. Which is interesting, kind of almost backwards because it was a tour and now it's a podcast. But um, so far, episodes that we've released is one with um, the founder of Homoco, or I guess he's not the founder of it, but he's the current CEO of Homoco. I think his name is Daniel Dukoff, I believe. And then we also have an episode with Derek Webb. Um, by the time this comes out, there'll be plenty more episodes releases every Thursday. It's really good. It's just kind of facilitating conversations between people from different backgrounds and different socio-political, uh, religious 
standpoints and worldviews. And it's a it's a really good show. It's really tight. It's really uh, it's a lot more produced than a lot of my other shows. So it takes a lot of time, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And we're not making money off that either, which is why I do not feel bad at all taking up a little bit of time to plug it. And I'll put, probably put a clip of that if everyone's kosh with that. I'll put a little clip of a an episode of that show on the uh, back end of this recording. Yeah, and one last thing. One, it's not a recommendation, but I do want to say. Um, we have uh, more interviews coming up. We, we've we gotten some good feedback on our social medias and word of mouth um, from people really digging, uh, not just our kind of small group conversation, but a green, or not green, but really appreciating um, the different voices that we've had on um, on our podcast. Um, Caleb and I have been busy the last number of weeks um, interviewing a diverse group of individuals international In, yeah interviews. we've had a couple people a couple friends of ours from jolly old england on um so those are going to be coming out in a few weeks um we have um our our friend i'm not going to say his name because i want to when it drops it's going to drop um but a mutual listener to revolution and to sacred collective and he was on and so we have him um i have a musician friend of mine here in the cities who is in two fantastic bands, and he's going to be in our studio, aka my living room, here in a couple weeks. And we just have, you know, we have some theologians, we have scholars, we have musicians, some artists, and we're really just excited where Sacred Collective is going. Engage with us on Facebook, Instagram, send us any tweets or Instagram. Probably the best for me is Instagram DM. Same with Caleb. If you have any thoughts or ideas on potential guests that we could have on, Ooh, if we can or sw- swing in prompts, questions, ideas. I know I got one that I'll say off mic of of maybe something we should talk to. One of our listeners had DM'd me. Um, so this little thing, this little baby of mine, Sacred Collective, started a few years ago, and I like where it's going and continue to listen because we have some hot hot content coming out. Um, we're ending 2019 really strong and we're going to start 2020 even stronger. So till next time. Thanks for being part of our conversation to continue the conversation. Find us on social media at sacred MN. Can I get an amen? Hi, this is Caleb with post Christian podcasting. If you enjoy the sacred collective, you might also like loosen the Bible belt with Jay Baker and Kristen Becker. Every random person who believes anything, if the art they make is good, is amplified. And I actually don't have a a specific problem with that anywhere else, because any other genre of music isn't the soundtrack for a specific worldview, the way that Christianity is. Well, that's the thing, for sure, that where you guys... That's what bothers me Yeah, where you guys were suddenly, like, spokesperson for a movement that went way deeper than, you know, than just being musical artists. And that some of us had only started to really seriously study 18 months before. Right. Which means we were really not qualified to have that position or had that voice. That was a post-Christian podcast.